Romo, Red Sox, and relievers. The Blue Jays news is dominated by these R topics in the recent days, and Ethan Diamandis and I are here to break it down. In the middle of a big homestand hosting AL East opponents, this is the latest episode of the Inside the Blue Jays podcast. Classic Blue Jays win the first two can't get the sweep done. Is that how you would characterize the Red Sox series? Yeah, I, I'd say so. I think you and I were chatting before that last game, thinking about, you know, maybe this is the chance that Toronto gets its third sweep of the year. Third sweep, yeah. Um, and then we both kind of looked at each other and we're like, this is just, like Toronto, of course, they're just, this is a classic game where they won't close it out. Um, not to say that they didn't play well. I mean, it was a pretty hard fought game. Alec Manoa was pretty stellar. Yeah. Uh, you know, Verdugo kind of just tagged him for a clutch home run. Uh, and then Toronto, you know, the, we, we knew the bullpen was going to be a talking point. Um, and extra innings is always extra difficult, uh, given that, you know, you have a ghost runner and Toronto's bullpen has been extra, you know, beaten down, as I said. Um, so Phelps gave up a few. Toronto surprising. I think that was probably the most surprising part, that Toronto came all the way back. Um, you know, you remarked how quiet the stadium was. It was like dead silent. Yeah. There was, there was, there was nobody cheering. And then, you know, Kevin Biggio, it's a double down the line and everyone goes nuts. And suddenly, you know, they're, you know, one base hit away from making you and I stay till 3am. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think it kind of will go forgotten just because they lost the game, but what an inning for Kevin Biggio like, <laughs> turns a crazy three what was it three two three double play like way off the bag and then runs yeah. back and gets it yeah, in the top the of that inning yeah and then if if tim mazard like makes a pick pitch or they just get a lucky bounce on the next batter they get out of that inning with only the ghost runner scoring they probably win that game because they scored two in the bottom of that inning and then he comes up and lefty lefty gets a huge double down the line yeah. that hey if that takes a weird bounce in the corner santa glesman is probably scoring on that play from first and like we could have been talking about the Kevin Biggio game. Uh, you, you wrote about him recently, about how he is genuinely playing really well rec- yeah. uh, recently and has been a super valuable defensive asset for this team because he plays everywhere. But no, it was not the Kevin Biggio game because they did end up losing. But yeah, I think this series is kind of was the tale of the season for the Blue Jays. Really good starting pitching at points, really good offense, obviously a really scrappy team that's never out of a game. But then the bullpen just has not been thin enough and or has not been deep enough and the pitching has not been deep enough and, and even if you get a few good frames out of romano and simber it's you eventually got to go to a guy yeah i mean even before the bullpen i guess another big story that we should mention is that you know the bench is cleared um mm-hmm. that was that was interesting i mean first of all i thought charlie was completely antagonistic in that i mean Pavetta, there, there was a good thread on Twitter of, of, you know, the Red Sox kind of pitching Kirk up and in. And I mean, with a guy who is small in stature and, you know, completely dominant in this season, I get kind of where the Red Sox are coming from. Buzz him off the plate a little bit, you know, see if you can give him a different look. Now, you never condone hitting anybody. So Pavetta's going up and in. He clips Kirk on the elbow. Um, you know, it's uh, the crowd goes like bananas yeah mad crazy and starts booing because it's kirk and they just absolutely love him he's become a a darling here at roger center um 
And then Charlie comes out and he's kind of, he's getting close to Pavetta. He's kind of on the field and Pavetta starts kind of shouting at Charlie. And I think Vasquez was a little surprised too. And then once that happened, you know, Rafi Devers was kind of realized that the Jays dugout was getting a little upset. And then Vlad just starts walking out of the dugout right towards Pavetta and, and things get a little heated. And then <laughs> new, new blue Jay Sergio Romo comes flying out of the bullpen. Uh, leading the charge. Of course, the bullpens came all that way to do nothing. Um, nothing. Come on, they were keeping the peace, getting in the mix. That's what they're there for. One day, everyone will come to the bullpen to fight. I think See, that's what. What I want to know is, has there ever? I'm sure there has been, but like, some of the stadiums have their bullpens right beside each other, yeah. and obviously, like, there's like very much unwritten rules in these scraps where like you just go in and kind of stand around and mill about yeah. and like put hands on people. But if teams ever really had beef. Like you sprint out of those bullpens, or you just turn into the guy coming out of the bullpen beside you and just sucker punching him, like clipping him on the way to the pile. Like I'm sure that's happened before. Yeah, cut him off right yeah. at the start. Like why? Why are you getting? Why are you running to the field to fight when maybe that's dude one of those right unwritten there? rules that you were talking about? Maybe yeah. you have to. There's like a, a line, and then it's like, okay, game on. Once you hit the infield <laughs> hit dirt, the infield. <laughs> <laughs> then you can start tackling guys. Uh, yeah, that was that was uh, real bizarre. I, and I think it spoke to what we've seen a little bit more this year is that Vlad is showing a lot more emotion. I think yeah. this season, you know, he's a little angrier. He's a little angrier at uh, umpires. Sorry. We've seen that. I mean, granted Toronto has been on the receiving end of some tough strike zones, I think. Um, but Vlad, I think is feeling more confident. He's more expressive. Uh, he, of course he's proven himself um, with his, his past seasons. Um, yeah. So he's fired up and Pavetta wasn't about to back down. Obviously Pavetta wasn't, terribly aggressive he was kind of just emphasizing you know using some expletives but emphasizing that he wasn't trying to throw at Kirk he's just trying to pitch the ball uh, up and in and I'm inclined to believe him on that one but then when Verdugo hit that home run off of um, Manoa later in the game actually after Springer hit a home run the inning prior uh, he had a hop skip and a jump around third base and he made some time to kind of stare into Toronto's dugout and try to rile them up a little bit um, so that's, that's not for nothing. I mean, if the playoffs had started, you know, yesterday, I think today now Boston would be ahead of Toronto in the standings. Uh, by a half game. no, I think there were, I think the Jays were up one and a half. Okay. Entering yesterday, but also like these things change by the hour right now. Flip flop. So. And we'll flip flop a bunch more before the season's over, but you know, Toronto would play Boston in a playoff series. If the season ended now, whether that would be at, um, yeah, that wouldn't be at Rogers Center if it ended right now, but it very well could be at Rogers Center. Of course, rivalry amped up Rogers Center crowd in the playoffs. I think everyone's been wanting to see that for a long time. But it would also mean that the Red Sox might be in trouble because they don't have um, they wouldn't have their closer, possibly. I mean, Cora, I think, did hint that things might change by the end of the year. I don't know whether you and I were joking On that it was end, like, yeah. uh, does he have sources in the Canadian <laughs> government? Yeah. Or are they making changes? Ideally it would be the latter. Maybe he can, uh, Cora can work his wisdom and convince, you know, sale or, or how to, to get vaccinated. But as it stands, you know, they would be without some important guys. Yeah. Maybe they're trading Tanner Houck. Maybe that's what that means. Yeah. They're going to trade Tanner Houck for Liam Hendricks. And it's going to be the closer for the Red Sox. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> sorry, sorry to no, go for it. cut you off initially we, we started this as a dialogue about the bullpen. Yes. So Mitch, we met Toronto's newest bullpen member, Sergio Romo. I can't say I've ever really met somebody like him. He is definitely a character. Um, what was your takeaway from meeting him? Yeah. Character is putting it 
mildly. Super I think. mildly. I don't know if you can truly understand what this 15 minute conversation with Sergio <laughs> Romo was like. It was. I'm trying to think back if there's anything in our year and a bit covering it, this team that's I mean, been comparable. We weren't. We didn't cover Joe Biagini, but like. I mean, Biagini was a little bit of a had a little bit of a drier, odder sense of humor. I think it was like Romo was just super excitable. I don't, he was just like got like ADHD vibes. Like he was very he was like bouncing off the walls, but super happy to talk to us. But also had like the wisdom of someone who's played in the league for 15 years. So he was like a little crazy, a little amped up, but also you know like uh, had a great deal of perspective. So it was an interesting balance. I overall just thought he was pretty funny. Yeah, he was hilarious. He, and he's he just like, he talked about how, oh, I still get nervous for the cameras. And he was anything but nervous for the yeah. cameras. He knew every answer to every question. He knew, and he was also so honest. Like he talked about, he knows why he's here. Obviously this team needs bullpen help, but they need stability. They need a veteran who's kind of been there before. And I think Charlie put it, he knows Sergio Romo, who he coached in Tampa a few years ago is not going to be nervous in any moments. This mm-hmm. is a guy who closed out a World Series throwing to Buster Posey, and he threw or he froze Miguel Cabrera on oh, a fast sinker down like, the middle. <laughs> yeah, like that, this guy's been in the moments ten years ago, and then he's lived every moment since then. So it's who knows how it's going to go on the mound. I honestly have no clue. We have yeah, yet to see I, him, and he, he was warming up. Yeah, could have yeah. seen him yesterday if it went. I think we would have seen him yesterday if it went another inning. Yep. And it, it has not been going well for him this year. He had like an eight ERA and gave up a bunch of home runs in a really big park in Seattle. But in terms of the person, it's it's really obvious why he's here because he's the exact type of stabilizing and, and kind of moxie force that this Blue Jays bullpen needs. Yeah, he definitely brings a whole lot of swagger and he brings that like um, the energy that Vlad and, and Teo and Lourdes have in the dugout to the bullpen, which is, you know, the bullpen's always full of characters, but it's, I feel like it's rarely full of like um, charisma. Let's put it that way. I mean, Jordan Romano certainly has energy. He gives the uh, caged Markham psycho energy, but uh, not necessarily the type of energy or moxie, as you put it, that Romo has Um, in terms of his stuff on the mound though. uh, You and I did a deep dive on his, his stuff. His fastball is very much not good. It it doesn't, doesn't play. Batting batting average of a thousand on his four yes, seam. He so has allowed nothing but don't his. don't throw the four seam fastball, Sergio. Um, but the slider is is where there are still some decent peripherals. Um, you know, the chase I think was pretty good on that forty four percent. Yeah, think, which is very good. Yeah, and some of the highest of his career, in fact. Yeah, and like he, I mean, he's basically going to be a primary slider guy. I mean, Ross Atkins, we got a chance to sp- speak with him. Um, on Wednesday, and he kind of hinted, I guess, at that too. Some subtle usage changes, which you took to mean more, more slider, more slider. Or less fastball. Yeah, uh, I think like in less subtle. Like, I don't think he would have used the word subtle if it was anything else. But like you just, if we can look at the usage and look at the numbers and figure out what's going wrong here, I would determine that as subtle. Anything else would have to be major that is that we are missing. But yeah, I think we'll see less fastball, more slider. I, I would think. Like, obviously, Adam Simber's changed a lot since he's come to the Blue Jays, and they're super comfortable pitching him against lefties now, and he's kind of climbing the ladder. He's moved a lot on the mound, and he, he kind of uses his fastball up in, like, a Darren O'Day kind of role more than ever now. But I would picture those first couple weeks of Simber when he was just coming in, facing righties, and just tossing the slider. I, w- I would assume that's kind of the usage we're going to see in the same kind of role we're going to see. Yeah, and it's, it's really hard to peg, I guess, like an inning role for Romo. I mean, you 
you'd imagine he'd be earlier than the seventh inning in games where Toronto has the lead. Could see him kind of being as like a, a David Phelps type. We, you know, we always talk about Toronto needing or not having a, a fireman type reliever. I mean, Phelps has kind of been like that. Um, so maybe, you know, Roma will come in and get his first, his first innings with uh, Toronto leading, ideally leading by a lot or losing by a lot or a little bit. I mean, uh, I could also see Romo pitching in a one run game because Toronto is just so thin with their bullpen. And <laughs> that's kind of, you know, what the chit chat is uh, on the beat around the team. It's, it's this bullpen, you know, looked okay to start the season. I thought, you know, and now it, it shows once you take away Jimmy Garcia, you know, Trevor Richards, he hasn't been phenomenal by any means, but even taking him away, taking his arm away, you know, his, his ability to work multiple innings, he doesn't do it very well, but he will do it. Um, it kind of it, it exposed the, the, the lack of bodies that Toronto has. And I mean, you, you raised a good point before this. Let's say Tim Meza gets injured, you know, on Thursday. Where does Toronto go? Yeah, I know. I think they're at a spot right now where if they have to cover any more than three innings in a game, they just don't have the dudes to do it. Like, you're going to ask someone who you would rather not ask to get big outs to pitch in a beginning. So you lose another guy like Meza, who has admittedly, uh, Charlie Montoya said he hasn't really been the guy he was pre-injury since coming back. He, he thinks he's going to get back there, and he thinks he looks better every outing, is what Montoya said. But yeah, he hasn't been a guy, but he's he's like he is a guy for this Blue Jays yeah. bullpen right now. You lose him, and the options are scarce. Uh, I think obviously there would be kind of the urgency to make a move. But if you look internally, like who are your number one options? Max Castillo's in the pen already. Like Trevor Richards and Jimmy Garcia are probably at least a week away from coming back each. Yeah, like that's, maybe more uh, maybe, with a rehab stint. Yeah, it sounds like Richards going to do a rehab stint. I could see Jimmy not needing one, but he probably will do one. I would think. Even I mean, just for an inning, yeah. we don't. We don't. Um, I mean, we'll find out more today, being Thursday, probably about Jimmy because he was throwing on Wednesday. Um, you know, he seems to be in good spirits. But uh, I mean, you spoke to Richards the other day. He seems to be doing okay. Yeah, he, he basically said he was. So it's a 15 day IL stint when he went down with his next train. It was the first IL stint of his career. I asked him how he how it was going and he said i'm bored that was <laughs> that was his overall needs a lot of stimulation vibe. that one yeah exactly he's uh he needs to be pitching on a mat it sounds like he was shut down for like two or three days like really not a whole lot of time and then working his way back up yeah and, and you mentioned he wasn't throwing that well beforehand so it's obviously i think like a rebuild the confidence let's figure some stuff out in the lab and then we'll mm -hmm. we'll get back here and so yeah, I could see him coming back quickly and coming back healthy. And, and I think Jimmy, too. We, that was like a weird one where he just kind of showed up with a back strain on the road. And everyone's like, uh, okay, I guess Jimmy Garcia is hurt. Yeah. So maybe he's a similar situation. But let's say they need someone tomorrow. Who do you think would get called up? Or, or who would you call up, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would have been Adrian Hernandez, right? He's been excellent in AAA. Kind of a, a unique type of pitcher in that he throws – change up screwball whatever you want to call it he's not he doesn't have overpowering velo he's not a very big guy he's not he's like basically another trevor richards or another sergio romo to, in terms of build and um i guess skill set but you found out um this morning that he is not healthy yes yeah, so we it was you who pointed out the other day that hey he has not pitched in a few days and so we kind of dug into it and it turns out he just over a week ago uh experienced some right shoulder soreness and so that is definitely that's his throwing arm that's, that's not definitely good. not something you want to hear but 
Sounds like he's kind of on the mend. Today's Thursday on Monday. He began his throwing program. He's working back, probably going to pitch a bullpen soon, if not today, sometime in the next few days. I think it's expected that he'll do that, take that next step in his throwing program. But then you can't just call a guy up like that. So he's still probably not at the top of the priority. But he is. it does not sound like it will be a significant injury, just like a two-week kind of thing. Then after that, you're looking at like a rehabbing Taylor Saucedo Mm. or – like a who like if, if if Tim goes down, it's the obvious move to bring up the other lefty. Yeah. But uh, then, yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're thin right now. Yeah. I mean, ideally at this point, you would have liked Nate Pearson. I think he was real yeah. close to 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 being available. Um, he is down with a with a lat strain that's shutting him down for multiple weeks. I think three to four weeks was the timeline we got. And then when we spoke to Ross Atkins yesterday, he kind of gave me the impression that um, it's it could be a while or that the team is now kind of thinking beyond Pearson. I think they're no longer counting on him. It's kind of the vibe I got. Like, yeah. Do not count on Nate Pearson. Like even to pitch this season at all in the majors, it kind of was like whether that's a triple A, you know, maybe he gets a few innings up here with, uh, with you know, the MLB team. It was like, it was not it was as not optimistic. Like a, hey, he's going to be out for three weeks. We will see him back here. It yeah. I think the vibe I got, and correct me if you got something different, was anything we get from him at the major league level this year is bonus. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a fair characterization. I think as soon as he walked off the mound with that injury, I think that was where everyone's mind went. Anyways, like, I mean, you can only hold out on a guy for so long. Not to say that Pearson's career is done or that his hopes no, and dreams yeah, are smashed yeah. by any means. I mean, he's still very talented. It's just. I mean, he had mono in spring training, right? We, you and I had just left, and then we had found out after we left that you know Pearson had mono. Uh, he was, you know, he was going to probably take some time away from the team, and then he was going to have to build up his arm again. And you know, we got to July. Well, sorry, now we're in July, but we got to June, and you know, like he still wasn't really ramping up yet. He had just started throwing in the in the complex league. Like it, it's it's really baffling. I feel bad for I feel bad for Nate. Um, I think he's a good guy. Uh, I think he's talented, but when you look down the roster after him, I mean, I mean, we have Max Castillo and I'm very in- intrigued with him. I, again, I, he was super dominant against um, Milwaukee. It was against Milwaukee, not um, Chicago who they played before, but yeah, he, I th- I'm super intrigued. I would really like to see him pitch uh, a little bit more ideally at, at Rogers center in the next few days, but um, he's not particularly, you know, devastating. Again, is this a word that I use so often in terms of what I think the Jays should be seeking in a reliever? Um, and then, you know, Thomas Hatch. I mean, we, we get the feeling that he's like 75% starting on, on Saturday, but it, whether he's starting that game and going back because he's the, you know, the doubleheader call up, um, that's one thing. But you, you have an interesting argument that maybe Hatch could stick around as a long man. Yeah, I think like he's going to probably, yeah, we'll put it at 75%. I think that's fair. <laughs> Start the game on Saturday. We'll see how that goes. Like, obviously, if it does not go well, he's not going to stick around on this team. Yeah. But if it does, he's a guy who back in 2020 proved a very effective reliever for the Blue Jays. And I know like the big wrinkle in this all is they have no bullpen depth. They also have no starting pitching depth right now. So you can't really pull from that. But if he's effective and proves he can get Tampa Bay Rays out at the big league level, mm. why not add this kind of cutter fastball slider guy to in good changeup? I think to to 
your major league bullpen. Like he he's done it. They need arms. If he proves he can get outs, if you can get out outs as a starter, you can get outs as a reliever. So why not keep him here? And he can be the guy who goes into maybe that Nate Pearson role where it's like every three days you pitch two innings kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a very similar arsenal, I feel like, and story sort of, kind of like David Phelps. Yeah. He's got the the multi-pitch. You know, trading not... for each other. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Phelps traded every year at every deadline, never made the playoffs. Um, yeah, they were traded for each other, funny enough. But, um, yeah, I, we talk about the bullpen, but it's funny, the same arms – in the bullpen are also, you know, the starting pitching arms. And, you know, there's a question in the, in the scrum about to Ross Atkins about um, role changes potentially. I mean, what, what did you take away from that? Yeah. I think it's like, he mentioned it in passing earlier about, Hey, there's like someone asked about internal options for this bullpen. And he said, there's role changes. Like we're not just going to call up triple A relievers. Like we can, I essentially got the vibe is like, we can call up triple A starters, but then, when someone followed up about it, he kind of declined to name specific names and also said it can go both ways. So I don't know if that means we're going to see a reliever turned back into a starter. That would seem like a, a weird role, but kind of maybe me reading in the lines or even not reading any lines at all and just imposing my own opinion on it. I kind of took that as I like doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like I'm just going to put words in everybody's mouth now. Uh, I, I took that as like Thomas Hatch, Casey Lawrence, Max Castillo are your like top three reliever depth options and top three starting depth options. Yeah. Like these are just the next three arms up, no matter what role we need them in. Mm-hmm. Those are it's the same. They're the same guys. And then you also have to factor in the Kikuchi situation. Yeah. I mean, if, if you say isn't good, I mean, listeners will know if he was good or not. And maybe if he is good, they'll still, you know, have to have uh, their opinions. But um, if, if you say doesn't pitch well on Thursday or doesn't at least improve upon his mark from before, I mean, we're talking about a real problem now. I mean, there have already been questions and discussions about maybe skipping his start. Um, and But, you know, Toronto still said, okay, he's going to make his start. But if, if we get to the point where he can't start anymore, they have to skip a start or he's just, you know, kind of permanently demoted to the bullpen, that's even more challenging. I think that instantly becomes like, holy crap, we're, we're in trouble. Yeah, well, I think it's like that's when we make a early July trade kind yeah. of thing. Like, I like it, they're going to make a trade and probably a big one for either a reliever or a starter, maybe yeah. both. It's just like a when. And so if the Kikuchi and even the Barrios situations kind of put the pressure on this team, other teams that are selling are going to come knocking and be like, hey, we see you guys are trying to compete with four starters. Mm-hmm. Have any interest in uh, Frankie Montes for Gabby Moreno? Like yeah. I, that's what's going to happen. But Toronto will slam the phone down and <laughs> report it as spam and block the number. Yeah, it would. It would Ross Atkins said when we asked him about, "Hey, are you getting a bunch of calls for catchers right now?" He said something like, "Not as many as you do think, because we're because telling them we're not trading them." Basically, so I don't know if that's gamesmanship. I kind of assume around deadline time. 95% of the words out of a GM's mouth are gamesmanship. Mm-hmm. So hats hit to Ross Atkins, if so. And if he ends up trading a catcher in the next yeah, three weeks. Yeah, we're all but... um, He did also, he made a good point that you don't see a lot of catching trades mid-season. Yeah. Because guys got to learn pitching staff, especially young catcher. I mean, like, could Gabby go to Oakland and, you know, adapt to their pitching staff? I'm sure he could. Well, I think it's easy for a team that's not trying to win. Like, yeah. If you're trading for Gabby or Kirk, which I, they're both playing so well, why would you do that? Why would the Jays do that right now? But yeah. I, I don't think a team like Oakland really cares about if they can learn the pitching yeah. staff because they're not trying to win. It's more on like if a team was trading for Danny Jansen in like a reliever swap, 
like and they were trying to get a guy um who can help them make the playoffs then it becomes like a little bit more difficult to see that fit i sure hope they're not trading uh jansen for (laughs) for lever swap i do Um, think the blue jays value danny jansen the most of any team in baseball and i think that would become the most difficult thing to facilitate a jansen trade is because they've had him in their organization they know him better than everyone else and so they mm -hmm. kind of have both qualitative and quantitative values on everything he brings to their team and other teams just see the player. They just see Danny Jansen and yeah, kind of how the they metrics, value him. The health, maybe, you know, yeah. he hasn't played a whole lot of games the last two years. Um, yeah, I agree with you. And, and, and we talked to Ross Atkins. He said, listen, trade market, you know, what's the market like? He says, I get asked every year. He says, it's hard to say it until, you know, you get closer to the deadline. He said, that's why deadlines exist. Um, so it, it's still slow. I mean, you'll hear from Mitch and I plenty about um, deadline talk, trade targets, all that fun stuff. It is an exciting time of the year, basically where competitors, you know, double down on the fact that they are competitors. I mean, we knew Toronto was going to be a, a competing team. So it's more on, you know, who's willing to, to sell to Toronto and what Toronto is willing to buy. So um, in the next few episodes, we'll, we'll detail some of that. But uh, in the meantime, happy Canada Day everyone that's uh, that is fourth of july, too, <laughs> fourth I guess. Of july for our american, american listeners um tend to forget that when you cover baseball and it just like overlaps all holidays it's just baseball day or non-baseball day <laughs> so uh hopefully uh all all uh, our blue jays fans and all our listeners are enjoying this weekend series i mean you get five games in 72 hours that's that's something if you're uh, if you're not a player you're not writing about it <laughs> you get you're to just go. yeah <laughs> i'm sure there are uh, a fair their fair share of blue jay sickos and we appreciate them all alike um so yeah to everyone happy canada day and thanks for listening